For the past several weeks, we have been involved in a series called Led by the Spirit. And today I want to talk to you about the aspect of God's power working through our inadequacies. Have any of you ever felt inadequate to be used of the Lord? Some of you are nodding your heads. Some of you are looking around and saying, is anybody else still this way before I respond to this? I want to read you something to kind of launch this from a book that John Ortberg wrote about the life you always wanted. He wrote this, I'm disappointed with myself. I'm disappointed not so much with particular things I've done as with aspects of who I've become. I have a nagging sense that all is not as it should be. Some of this disappointment is trivial, like I wish I worked out more, or I wish I could do more home repairs, or I wish I was better at time and money management. Some of this disappointment is worse than trivial. It's simply the sour fruit in my life of self-absorption. I attend a high school reunion, and I can't choke back the desire to be more attractive by having more accomplishments than my classmates, and I'm disappointed in my ordinariness. Some of my disappointments run deeper. When I look at my children as they sleep at night, I think of the kind of father I want to be. I want to create moments of magic. I want them to remember laughing until tears flowed down their face. I want to have sweet talks with them as they're getting ready to close their eyes. I want to pray with them in a way that makes them feel cherished. When I look at them, I see how the day really went. When they fought, I left the room because I didn't want to expend the energy to teach them how to resolve conflict. Yelling when one of them spilled something as if it were a deep character flaw. Rushing them to bed so that I could have more time to myself. I'm, I'm just disappointed. My disappointment is not limited to just my life as a father. I'm disappointed also in my life as a husband and as a friend, as a neighbor, and a human being in general. I think of the day that I was born when I carried the gift of promise, the gift given to all babies of what they can become, ways in which I might have developed my mind, my body, my spirit, and the thoughts that might have brought joy that I would create for others. And frankly, I'm disappointed that I still love God so little and I sin so much. As I read that, I thought, I can relate to John's confession of disappointment in himself. Can you? Any of you ever experience those moments when you look yourself at the eye in the mirror and you think, I'm so disappointed. Have you ever wanted to be a better person or a better friend or a better spouse or a better parent? Have you ever wanted to be a better believer in Jesus Christ? Have you ever wanted to live a life that has more impact? Have you ever been disappointed because you really wanted to break a destructive habit or a negative pattern in your life, and yet it seems as if you fall into the same trouble again and again and again? Have you ever been disappointed because you wanted to do something significant for the kingdom of God, but you haven't? If you answered yes to any of those questions this morning, good. What do you mean good, Pastor? That was kind of unexpected. No, I want you to know it's good because then you're candidates for the ability of God to work through you in such a way that when he does, he gets the credit and you don't because you know you're inadequate. 
In fact, frankly, inadequacy as it relates to us in our walk with the Lord in some ways can be considered a gift. Father, as we approach your word this morning, we all sit here with various levels of anxiety over our inadequacy. As we have discussed through your word what it means to be people that are filled with the Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit, led by the Spirit, oftentimes we leave here looking at the task and thinking there's no possible way I can do it, yet Lord God, you said it's in our inadequacy that you do your best work. So I pray that you would plant within us the seed of the word over these next few moments in Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to Acts chapter 3. If you don't, I believe the words will be there for you as I read them. Beginning in verse 1, it said, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple, the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet, and he began to walk. Then he went into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were all filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. For the past several weeks, we have been discussing and and looking at how does our life reflect the fact that we are believers in Jesus Christ? How does my behavior and my words and my actions adequately reflect everything that God has done in me? What does it mean to be a Pentecostal believer, baptized in the Holy Spirit, and how does that look as it is lived out So many times today in our world when we talk about power, we recognize that we are living in a culture where power is often a tool of intimidation or a tool of subjugation. For many people believe that power comes with all of the things that give them the perks. And so they dominate and they dictate and they will even destroy if necessary. But when we talk about power in terms of the kingdom of God, it is for an entirely different purpose. The power that Jesus promised and provided through the person of the Holy Spirit isn't power to intimidate, nor is it power to impress. It is a power that works through our inadequacy so that we can impact our world for Jesus Christ. It was the commentator Lloyd Ogilvie, who I like to read, who put it like this. The power of Pentecost is for people. What happened at Pentecost is for the paralysis of this world. The Holy Spirit, Christ in the present tense, is for the healing of people in this present age. The excitement and enthusiasm of the infilling of the Spirit was to create a people through whom the Lord could continue His ministry for restoration and healing. 
A new age was born. Christ alive in his people. And they are now equipped to do what he had done. And greater things than these he promised. Communicating his love and bringing people to him. I don't want you to miss this. The power of Pentecost is for people who are naturally inadequate so that God can do something in you and through you that he alone will get the credit for and not you and I. So here's questions that we need to ask ourselves. Have I been filled with the person and the power of the Holy Spirit? Has the filling with the nature and the abilities of the Holy Spirit equipped me for ministering to people in need? And are the giftings of the Holy Spirit being used in my life to intimidate, to impress, or are they being used to impact the world for Jesus? In our text, we see the purpose of Pentecostal power being lived out in everyday lives of the disciples. And I believe that by studying this passage, we can learn some things today that will help us. There are three questions that I quickly want to answer today or look at. Number one, what happened? Number two, why did it happen? And number three, can it happen today? When we look at the story about what happened, we recognize that Luke, who wrote this, is a doctor. And so he speaks in, in very definitive tones and uses unique words that would recognize the type of education that he has. He's very detailed. And so he tells us that Peter and John are on their way to the temple for afternoon prayers. It's something that they had done regularly. Their attention is diverted to an incapacitated beggar that they had undoubtedly walked right by many times before. But this day, something is different about them. The Holy Spirit living within them begins to arrest their attention. And they cannot dismiss his needs, nor can they walk by. Literally, the Holy Spirit living within them redirects their attention. And they stop. And in that moment, they become agents of the miraculous in this man's life. In fact, Luke uses medical terms to describe what was going on with this man disabled from birth. He uses two terms that are only used here. As he describes the feet and ankles of the man, he uses a term called carsol, which indicates that the bottom of this man's foot, his heel was completely paralyzed without feeling. He uses another term, sphydron, again, a medical term that indicates that apparently from birth, this man's ankle was born in such a way that it was dislocated and then fused at an angle where he would not be able to be walked. And then he describes after the encounter that they have with these disciples that this man leapt up. The medical term for that was that suddenly the socket was readjusted. Suddenly feeling came back in. And instantly as the man was reached for, he jumps up and he does what any of us would do if we had been in that situation. He jumps up and he praises the Lord. And he runs around celebrating what God has done in his life. Peter and John spoke healing to the man as they reached for him and he reached for them and I would imagine that that moment in time was forever seared in his heart and mind. And then what happened was crowds began to gather around. They were amazed that this man that they had known for years was now miraculously healed. So that is what happened. But the second question is why did it happen? 
There are at least three reasons that I believe the Scripture indicates for us. One of them, the first reason is this. Peter and John were faithful. Peter and John were faithful. It says in Acts 3.1, one day Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. How many of you know that you and I have regular cadence to life? Some of us are routine people. Are any of you like that? You just, you love your routine. I am. I love my routine. And as a result of that, whenever the Holy Spirit interrupts me, my first thoughts are not always pleasant. It's like, I did not plan for this. It was not in my day timer, Lord. Do we really have time for this? And he constantly reminds me that when I got saved, I lost the right to direct myself. That when he became Savior and Lord of my life, that I yielded that as well as I yielded my time, my schedule, for him to use me however he wants. But sometimes, just when you're doing whatever the Lord would have you to do, he brings to you divine opportunity. Peter and John were doing what they always do. They were being faithful in what was supposed to them. And as they were walking faithful to the Lord, he led them right into a place of ministry. Some of you today, you have been asking, God, there is more that I want to accomplish in my life for you. Lord, I know that I've been disappointed in what you have done in my life and I've got a lot to offer. Somehow, God, will you use me? And while you are walking in faithfulness, the Lord will lead you right into places of ministry. It might not be what you thought it was. It might look different than you thought. But as you are being faithful to the Lord in your everyday life, God will bring you to ministry opportunities because of the God-connectedness that you have as he lives with inside of you. He will put you at the right place at the right time for just the right moment. The second reason it happened is because of the word focus. Verse 4 says that Peter looked straight at him, as did John. As I mentioned before, they undoubtedly had passed this man many times and had not stopped and given him money. So he looked at them and recognized they've never helped me in the past. They're not going to help me now. So I'm going to look by them to somebody else who might capture my attention. Are I theirs? And they would give me money. But suddenly, Peter stops. And we look at this and, and why did they focus on him this time? Why was it that they couldn't ignore, ignore the beggar's call or his condition? Here's the difference. They were coming from a place where they recently had been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. They had already been redeemed. Now they were empowered, the Spirit of God living within them. And when that happens, he changes your focus. The one who lives within you guides and directs your eyes. He moves your attention. You move with the prompting of God so that you see things you didn't see before and you're aware of things that you were not aware of before because of the connectedness of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of Jesus now lived in them and he directed their focus. I believe that God had wanted to do something in this beggar's life for a long time. He just needed people to walk obediently and be willing to be prompted by the Spirit to be able to do what he wanted to do. I want you to know something. Our Spirit-focused attention on an overlooked life is more life-changing than you could ever imagine. The fact is made crystal clear in the following story that a little girl wrote about her school teacher that changed her life. 
She said this, I grew up knowing I was different and I hated it. I was born with a cleft palate. And when I started school, my classmates made it clear to me how I looked to others. I had a misshapen lip, crooked nose, lopsided teeth, and as a result, my speech was garbled. When my schoolmates asked me, what happened to your lip? I would tell them that I had fallen and cut it on a piece of glass because somehow to me, it was more acceptable to have suffered an accident than to tell them I was born this way. I was convinced that nobody outside of my family could love me. That was, however, until I met my second grade teacher. Her name was Mrs. Leonard. Mrs. Leonard was short, and she was round, and she was fun. And whenever she was around, everybody loved to be around Mrs. Leonard. Now, in my school, the teachers gave the hearing test, and Mrs. Leonard would have us stand a few feet from her desk, and she would whisper something to us that she wanted us to repeat out loud to everybody in the class. She would say things like this to other students. The sky is blue. Or, are those new shoes you're wearing? Finally, it was my turn to take the hearing test. And as I stood there waiting for her to whisper something to me, God must have spoke to her because she turned and focused on me and God put seven words in her mouth that changed my life forever. Because Mrs. Leonard whispered these words to me, I wish you were my little girl. And I repeated what she had told me to my whole class. You see, the focused attention of a teacher changed a little girl's life because of a life-giving message that you are wanted and you are chosen and you are special. I believe with all of my heart, we as Pentecostal believers, full of the power of the Holy Spirit, need to have a laser focus on those around us so that we can speak the words of life to them at just the moment that they need it. I was reminded this week of just how difficult that can be as our church gets larger. I received a letter that was not complimentary from some people that have attended our church for some time. They indicated to me that they had not only spoken to me, but seven other leaders within our church of a situation that was happening in their family. And 24 days later, they had not received a call they had not received any inquiry whatsoever as to what was happening to them. My response was one of apology. I'm so sorry that you have slipped through the cracks. And I pray that you will help me and help our church as we come to understand what it means to be the topic of somebody's focused attention. So here's what I say to you today. Being Pentecostal believers does not mean that we just come in a church service and we celebrate and that we worship a little bit more actively than other churches. Pentecostal worship means that we allow the focus of the Holy Spirit to call to our attention those who are slipping through the cracks, those whom we haven't seen in a while, those who we wonder about and recognize that whenever a name is dropped on your heart, it's not coincidence. It's the Spirit of the Lord laying upon your heart somebody that He wants you to reach out to because it just might be that your focused attention is what they need in that very moment to feel loved and cared for. 
The third reason that this happened is because of what the disciples were full of or the fullness. It says in verse 6, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Now, folks, I have to tell you, this is the place where all of our fears as Christians begin to explode. This is the place where when we feel the prompting of the Spirit, and it may be that God wants to do something miraculous, or it may be that what is needed is miraculous, that we start looking around for somebody who has more power than we do. Because we are so afraid that if we enter into those waters, God might not respond like we think he should. What happens, God? If you don't do a miracle and I'm the person that prayed and, and we let the enemy begin to whisper in our ear all of the reasons that we are inadequate. Here's what's wrong with that thinking. When we are people of the Spirit, when we have been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, we have to believe that when God is prompting something in us, He already has prepared the way to do something and he just needs us to step out in obedience. It is God that does the work. It's God that does the miracle. He just needs you to be so full of him and so full of his presence and so full of his power that you're willing to take a risk and speak life in the name of Jesus Christ. This is what the gifts of the Spirit are for. They are ministry tools to change lives. They are not trophies. They are not toys. They are not talents. They are not traits. They are tools for touching and transforming people in the power of the name of Jesus Christ. Let me just highlight that thought for you. We live in a day and age where many people use their spiritual gifts to stand up and, and demonstrate to others that they are somebody. The gifts of the Spirit are not trophies. They are not spiritual merit badges that say, I've arrived at some level of spiritual stardom that you're not at. When God uses you, it's humbling, not exalting. When God uses you, you will fall on your knees recognizing the supremacy of His power and how weak and utterly useless we are without Him. There is no room for spiritual showboating with spirituality when you're being used in the gifts. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are not toys. They are not given for our personal or private pleasure. They are given for service and edification. The gifts of the Spirit are not talents. The ability to make a crippled man from birth walk was not the result of Peter and John's medical knowledge or surgical skills. It was a result of the power of the Holy Spirit taking an impossible situation and finding a vessel that he could work through. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are not traits. Because other than that, we could take it and say, I can be used in these because the gift of wisdom and discernment and knowledge comes with my intellect. Let me tell you something. Some of the most people that I've discovered have the greatest discernment, may have the least amount of education, but they know the voice of the Spirit of God. And they know how He directs. Let me say this again. The gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are tools. Tools for every day and everywhere, essential tools for life-changing ministry. That is why we are told in 1 Corinthians chapters 12 and 14 that we are to eagerly desire spiritual gifts because without them we are on our own. 
And let me tell you something. God did not plant Grace Assembly of God right here for right now so that we could play church and have a hallelujah shouting time and walk out of these doors and be powerless because we do not know the power and the presence of the living God within us. So now we know what happened and we know why it happened. The third question is this. Can it happen today? Let me answer that question with a quote from Doug Moran's book, Churches That Heal. He writes this, Jesus healed in many ways, and all of them were miraculous. We must never lose sight of this fact. On 21 occasions, he healed through his spoken word. On 13 times, Jesus healed by touching someone. Nine times, people were healed in the course of his preaching and teaching. Eight times, Jesus healed by driving out demons. Another eight times, he healed because someone other than the sick person demonstrated faith on their behalf. On seven occasions, he healed because the sick person had faith. Four times, Jesus healed because he was moved with a compassion. And at least one time, somebody got healed because they snuck up on him and touched his clothes. God does things in ways that we do not understand, but he looks for vessels. Listen carefully. We need the miraculous in our church today. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to be alive within each of us. Our current world is too broken to be fixed by humans. It requires the power of the living God to piece back together through supernatural healing what has been broken by the enemy of our souls. And so can it happen today? It has to. It has to happen today. It's got to be real for today. Only God's power can put broken people back together again. There's no amount of counseling. Yes, counseling has its efforts and it works and brings... Let me tell you something. God who created is the one that restores. He renews. He puts things back together that look impossible. It's got to happen today, church. It's got to happen today as we are full of the power of God. Worship team, would you please come? And then the demonstration of God's power readied God's people for the declaration of the word. You know what? Here's what we always hope for. We hope that when we speak, people will listen to us. Can I tell you, why in the world would they listen to us if we've got no power? Why would they listen to anything that we have to say about a savior or the power of the living God if we can't walk in that power. You know, when you see the power of God begin to move, people will start to listen to what is going on. And, I, and so many times we've, we've worked it backwards, hoping that if they'll listen, then God will do something. It's time for us as a church to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, to begin to walk in the promptings of the Holy Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, to be focused by the Spirit, so that this church and each and you as individuals can finally recognize that your inadequacy has been a gift finally when you get to the end of yourself Lord I'm weak Lord without you I'm nothing I tried to polish myself up and look good but Lord I can't do it without you and I'm so disappointed in myself so I bring that and I offer it to you I offer you my disappointments so that anything you do in me and anything you do through me will be the perfect picture of how God works through inadequacy. And people will give you the glory 
for everything that you've done. Would you stand with me, please? Here's the way we're going to end this morning. COVID kept us for a long time separated. And I understand that there's some of you that are very comfortable wearing masks, and I'm certainly, please enjoy the protection that you feel you need. And if you don't wear masks, that's okay as well. But here's what we're going to do. We're opening the altars. We're going to sing a song about loving the Lord. And here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to step out. Now, I recognize we do not have enough room up here. I'm asking my elders and our deacons if they could go stand along that wall right over there. And as we begin to sing, if you have a need in your life today, if you don't know Jesus today, but you would like to intersect his grace, then I want you to step over here and talk to somebody. They're going to lead you to Jesus. It's going to change your life and it's going to change your eternity. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence, the biblical evidence of speaking in other tongues, but you know today you would like to have somebody pray with you, then I'm going to ask you to step over on this wall. Be people over here praying. For the rest of you, even if you're a guest with us today, I'm, I'm just new here. Let me tell you something. You know what, what makes you feel at home is when you enter in. When you just enter in. Now, I know we can't get everybody up here, but we're going to try our best to get people here. And we are going to lift our hands and we are going to give God all of our inadequacies. I've got a few. How about you? And we're going to sing of his love. And we're going to worship and we're going to celebrate together. And we're going to let the the windows of heaven be open to pour into each of us just what we need. So would you step out now? Just begin to make your way down to the altar. We're just going to stand here for just a few minutes to worship today. You in the front row have the best chance. Get up here first. Just, Just begin to make your way down with you. And let's sing as we come. If you have a need, step right over there, please.
significant moments in our spiritual life I call them honeymoon moments it's like falling in love with God all over again where there's such an incredible tangible sense of the presence of the Lord that just did any of you need to feel the embrace of the Spirit today did any of you just just need that sense that you're thought of that you're loved that he's got a plan that we come before him and we just lay all of our disappointments God I'm so disappointed in myself and he goes good it's your inadequacy that I can work through that's what makes the church effective not that we're capable but that we're incapable except through him now we're gonna sing this again and some of you I, you just need to open up your hands and there's some things that you just need to mention the Lord I, I'm inadequate in this I'm inadequate in that Lord I feel like a failure in this Lord I I have just dropped the ball in this and I want you just to offer these things to the Lord every one of us has something on our list that we're just offering to him today because he loves us because we're candidates of the Holy Spirit living within us leading us it's a spirit-led life live to serve the glory of our God and Savior. Would you just open your hands before the Lord this morning as we sing this one more time. I offer it to you, Lord. I offer my failures, Lord. we offer these things to the Lord isn't it nice to feel clean isn't it nice to feel unburdened if 
as the Spirit of the Lord spoke through that message today, it was, it was one of God lifts things from us. And as he lifts things from us, there's this, this sense in our spirit of being free. And in that freedom, the Lord now says, now let me commission you. That that freedom which I have given to you, you now walk in my spirit and you proclaim it to others. Focus. Here's what happens. Before this day is over with, as you commit these things to the Lord, the Lord is going to begin to bring opportunities into your life. And you've always looked at them as coincidences, but now you're going to begin to recognize this is what it means to be led by the Spirit. God is directing my steps. He's directing my family. He's directing everything I'm doing. And as I'm faithful in these things, ministry happens. That's the church unleashed. So, Father, I pray right now over your people. Over your people. Fill us with your power. Give us a laser focus for the lost. Lord, when we see opportunity, rather than shrinking back in fear, may we feel the prompting of the Spirit to step into that, to see what you will do to be glorified. In each of us, we have a sphere of influence, Lord. And there are people within that sphere that you are wanting us to engage with. Lord, this isn't a pastor thing. This is, this is your people living in the power of our God who plants himself within us and says, let me use you as a vessel. So Lord, here they are, all of our inadequacies, all of our fears, all of our failures. Lord, we just want to be full of your spirit so that you can use us to fix a broken world one person at a time. So what you have done in us this morning, we now ask that you would add the anointing of your presence as we walk out these doors into the mission field of our community. Be glorified in us as we walk obedient to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen.